This episode is brought to you by our friends at Unibuddy. Unibuddy is a student engagement platform that helps higher education recruitment, marketing, and admissions professionals attract, engage, and convert prospective students. Unibuddy helps students make one of the most important purchasing decisions of their entire life, and that decision is where to go to college. One of the ways they do this is by giving prospects real-time access to real people at your university. Here's how it works. A prospective student named Sam stumbles upon your school's business major website page, and he starts reading about your program offering. After a few seconds, a warm pop-up form invites Sam to chat with student ambassador Dan, who, you guessed it, is currently studying business at your university. After some quick niceties, Sam admits he's been looking at your school for some time now, but has yet to submit a formal inquiry or start an application. He's been to a couple of virtual recruitment events, but it's been hard to get a real feel for what life as a student, especially during these times, is actually like. Dan talks about his love of the entrepreneurship course he's taking, how challenging but rewarding Accounting 101 is, and how impressed he's been with your school's response to the challenges that COVID has thrown everyone's way. After 15 minutes of chatting with Dan, Sam books a chat with one of your admissions counselors for next week, and then he goes on to create an application account. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform, it's just one of Unibuddy's product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. It's totally game-changing. Don't get stuck in a prospective student's college shopping cart. Make the experience of accessing personalized peer-to-peer feedback as frictionless as possible. To learn more about Unibuddy and access a plethora of free resources to help you navigate student recruitment this year, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Unibuddy, and we'll ping you directly to Unibuddy's learning hub. So what I do is I look at the content of the email, right? And I force myself to summarize what I've said in the email draft in two sentences. Now, these two sentences can be as long as I want them to be. But they have to be, you know, two complete sentences, not three, not four, right? So two complete sentences. And then from there, what I do is I actually go through those two sentences and I circle what I call like the power words. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy and Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Buzicruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. All right, we are live. How you doing, my friend? Happy, happy, what day is it? It's Thursday. Happy Thursday. How are you? Zach, your days are off. My days are off? What day is it? Today is not Thursday. But I'd, I'd be interested to see how everyone reacts if you go into the office tomorrow. <laughs> I think. Wait a minute. What is today? No, today's today, Friday. Is it? You're right. Today it is, is, is February that we recorded. Oh my this, gosh, it it's Friday. Friday. Tomorrow's the weekend. Yeah, going into the office tomorrow, everybody will be waiting for you. I think it's an early day, 815. <laughs> everybody in the office, company-wide conversation. Um, you're leading it. Wow. Mickey, I don't even know if you know this or not, but this is actually our 50th episode. Don't make me have a spit take. I'm sipping coffee here. Five zero of Fanatical Fridays, which is exciting. And as we, as we were sort of going back and forth, we thought like it'd be fun to make this episode pretty tactical. And I think we're going to deliver on that promise. So what are we talking about today? And what do you want to dive into first? I don't know. What is the subject 
for today. It's subject lines, everybody. What the heck we're looking for? We're talking subject lines. Uh, That's good. You know, subject lines, I don't know why I gravitate towards subject lines as as an important thing. I always have. It has mattered to me for 20-something years. I think I've practiced them a lot. I'm told I have good ones by people around me. I don't think they're blowing smoke up my butt, but they could be. I'm not going to say for sure that I'm I'm the genius. Well, I know I'm not the genius, but I'm not going to say, you know, that mine are that awesome. I will tell you, I tend to come up with subject lines when I need to, to, and if I can, if, when I can compare results, I can outperform whatever we have if we tweak them in terms of, at least in terms of opens. Now, obviously opens are a little tougher to measure now, but I think it's, you know, they're, they're critical. I think last week when we were talking, Zach, I talked a little bit about that interview I did with Jay yeah. Seinfeld. Did I do that? Brief, yeah. Briefly. Right. Yeah. So, and so that, that whole concept of when I think about how he writes a joke and what's the value of that joke for his income for the year, you know, and I've compared that to the value of an email for a school and in, in their campaign during the year. But, you know, a subject line is a part of that. You know, when, when he's writing a joke, he set, he has this intro where he sets up the joke. That's exactly what the subject line is. Subject line sets up your email. And if you have a bad subject line that people open and it's disappointing and the, and the email falls flat, they're going to stop trusting the next subject line that you have in your next yeah, email. Yeah. And they're less likely to open and read that because it's going to be blah. So, so, and again, that's even if you've got a good subject line. So the content still very much matters. But the, the key is making sure that the subject line is so relevant to the content that it continues on. That intrigue that they have when they see the subject line that says, or the curiosity, whatever it is that draws them in, continues on. If it's urgency, if it's intrigue, if it's curiosity, if it's humor, it's got to connect. And then it has to provide value. Yeah. So, you know, you don't start with the subject line. I like to end with the subject line because I need to have that content that helps drive what the subject line to me should be about. Now, a lot of times if I'm writing an email, I will come up with a draft subject line that will help me think through the why I want them to take an action on an email because a lot of times I like to have the subject line have to do with the why of the, especially if it's around urgency. And so I might come up with a draft subject line, but you know, as we think about it, and I think we want to talk a little bit more in depth today about exercises for you to walk through, to help you think through your own subject lines. And Zach, I know you had folks, Zach shared some notes with me before we started recording. I said, these look very professional. (laughs) They look really strong. Mine's just more of uh, my tips are, you know, why in the hell would someone want to open and read that email? And and someone needs to be defined because if it's a subject, if it's an email that's going to go to parents and prospective students, that subject line, the content needs to be different. The subject line yeah. needs to be different because what's going to attract a 16-year-old and a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old, it's yeah. going to be different. Yeah. And if you don't think that that's going to be different, then you need to go back and study the research on how people respond to email yeah. campaigns. What, what One of the things that just chiming in real quickly here, Mickey, is I love what you said about thinking about in ensuring that the subject line is connected to the content of the email. But is, but I think what's what's most important, like the goal, it, this is very, very, very simple. The goal of the subject line is to get people to open the email, right? I would argue that it's the, con- the, the content within the email's job to make sure people click whatever that call to action is, whatever your conversion offer is. The subject line's one and only goal is to get people to click into that email, right? And and so I think like the best the people that write the best subject lines, and yes, you are you are one of the best, Mickey. I can attest to that. I I 
love, love your subject lines. Between your subject lines and your out of office replies, you should win some sort of copywriting award. That's a little small subtopic for, <laughs> that's, for that's, a, yeah. uh, to have a little. Yeah, maybe office. we'll do that over like a, a holiday or something, like a, a special edition on how to, oh, how that's to a write good a idea. great out of office. Yes. But but to to your point, right? The, the goal of the subject line is to get people to open that email. Now, again, you don't want to, and, and there, there's, I, to your, to your you know, first original point too, I also love writing subject lines. To me, it's like this like beautiful challenge, right? Like, because if you can increase open rates on an email, right? That is a huge win, especially today, especially when, you, when their communication is coming from a brand and not just a person, right? But what I always like to say is like, you, you want to tease it out enough to give people a little bit of context as to what, what you're communicating, but you don't want to give everything away, right? Like, because if you give it all away, if it's too obvious that, okay, this is a an email that is inviting me to apply to a respective grad program or something like that, right? Then I know that I know exactly what's in the email. It's an, it's an offer to inquire. It's an offer to apply. And if I'm not that interested right now, I'll, I'll go ahead and just delete it. Whereas if the email is constructed, if the subject line is constructed in such a way where it teases it out ever so slightly, and it leaves me a little bit curious, like that's where the magic happens. So I put together just a, a few like frameworks that I use. And again, I of course don't do this all the time, but like when I'm thinking really critically about an email marketing campaign that we're about to launch, these are sort of the the steps that I walk through. And I've also encouraged lots of friends in this space that are working in in enrollment management to to implement some of these frameworks. And and some of them have come back to me and said, hey, like this is super, super helpful. Like this this works well. So maybe I'll just go through these frameworks, Mickey, and then you can riff on them and let me know what you think. Does that sound like a good plan of attack? Okay. Absolutely. So yep. overall, I, I would say that this first, this is what I call the three C's. And the three C's are, are applicable to pretty much any email writing, but especially applicable to email subject line copywriting. And the three C's are captivating, concise, and creative. So you need to, of course, first and foremost, capture the user's attention. So if your subject line, you know, does a a great job at forcing their eyeballs to stop scrolling, right? And like in their very, you know, their, their crowded inbox, if you are, if you're, if you're forcing the user to stop and like actually read what you've put together, like that is, that's a win, right? Like they can't click on something that, you know, they haven't first seen, that they haven't first, that hasn't first caught their attention. So subject line needs to be captivating. It also needs to be really concise. You obviously just don't have a lot of real estate when it comes to subject lines crafting in general. So the best email marketers know how to write really, really concise email subject lines. Now I'll talk a little bit about when sometimes strategically you might want to, you know, you might want to write a longer subject line, but in general, you want these to be relatively short and then creative, right? So this one's pretty obvious. You want to be different. You want to, you want to, you have to recognize that your prospects, right, are getting zillions of emails from other schools, but then also just from, you know, other brands and their inboxes are, are quite crowded. My personal inbox right now has 1,272 unread emails. I just looked at it this morning and I, I need to like majorly purge, but case in point, your, your personal, my personal inbox. inbox. Yeah, it's, it's just become, it's just become so, like, I've had this personal inbox for, I don't know, 10 years now. And I think it's just because I've signed up for newsletters, I've signed up for, you know, offers, blah, blah, blah. And it's at a point now where it is just not sustainable. I get so many emails in any given day, that it's like, I, I just can't even like, click delete, you know, fast enough on on all of them. 
I've got zero. Yeah, and you're you're generational the man. gap, folks. Generational gap. I've got zero in my personal. Yeah. And I have all those things you sign up for. I have a whole different email address for that, and I check that three times a year. I also have like a like a spam email, and I use some. Yep. I use that for some things, but like I I still get suckered into the oh wow like this newsletter looks really cool like let me sign up and then I read like one or two editions, and then I just like. I can't stay on top of it, right? Like, and so, and I, there are too many newsletters. And so I, I don't want it to go to my spam. I don't want it to go to it. my spam email because I'm like, this content looks good. And I'm just like hopeful that, yeah. oh, I'll get an email. And then at some point when I'm standing in line at TSA or whatever, I'll whip it out and like, I'll get some value out of it. Like that's, that's my thinking. And it, you know, it almost never shakes out that way. So, yeah, I think what you'll, what you find, and I, th- that, I think that resonates pretty much with how people respond to email marketing since the day email marketing yeah. began. Like, you know, people sign up, they're interested for the first few and, you know, that, that, that curve goes up of interest really high and then it falls, it, you know, the, the pace with which it falls down is really the measure of the quality of your, yeah. of your emails because everybody's excited for the first ones. And if it's a slow decline, you're doing something better than those who yep. drop right off. And, and I think that's always been kind of that measure. But I would say that if it's something you're really interested in, then you stay yeah. engaged, right? The, this, like, I've got the only things that come to my inbox, my true personal, in, and I use Gmail, so everything goes to tabs. Yeah, so nothing yeah. comes to my inbox unless it's someone I really know. But it, camping stuff, because I like, you know, we're, we have the RV, we like to go out. Those are the only things I really let come to me in my personal email. Everything else, and music, music, some music things will come to me. Everything else is in my Hotmail, which will tell you when it was created. <laughs> you have a good rate, uh, range of years of when that account was created, and everything else goes to that. In fact, I have two Hotmail addresses. You know, the worst of the worst goes to one that gets checked once a year when I delete everything in it for the year, and then I've got another one that, you know, I might check three times a year. But anyway, let's get back to subject lines. We talk about campaigns and interest, and and I think that's important as you think about having folks have that slower decline on yours. Yeah. Subject lines. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the three C's are just a a good sort of general, captivating, concise, creative, good to just keep in mind for any sort of email copywriting, but especially when it comes to to subject lines. Now, for subject line crafting in particular, there are kind of three steps that I typically walk through. And again, as I mentioned earlier, of course, I don't do this for every single subject line I ever write. That wouldn't be worth it. But anytime there's like a major campaign or a major push or we're launching something new, I, I do walk through this this process. So step one is picking a subject line. Step two is actually drafting the subject line. And then step three is testing the subject line. So here's how sort of like I, I think through each of these steps in a, in a little bit more detail. So first and foremost, picking the subject line. I I typically work within the context of three, what I would call sort of like subject line type, subject line themes. The first one, I just call this like the couplet type. And the couplet type is when the subject line of the email and that preview text, most email uh, service providers, uh, especially if you're using any sort of like tool, like a HubSpot or like any CRM, like a HubSpot, a Slate, an Element 451, whatever you might be using, they allow you to customize not just the subject line, but also the the preview text, right? Which is that little snippet of text that gets pulled in. By default, it typically, I think, defaults to the first uh, 70 characters of the email after the after the subject line. So when you do have the ability to customize subject lines and preview text, I call the the subject line type the couplet when you have a subject line and preview text that are related. And it almost forms like this like very nice like mini story. So an example of this could be like, you know, you'll never believe what happened last night. 
And then the preview, te- that's the subject line, and the preview text might be like, it was a night to remember, or something like that, or it was an epic adventure, right? So in a sense that you understand holistic context, like it is communicating a, a complete idea in some way, shape, or form. A lot of brands have been doing this recently, yielding a lot of success. People that do this really well are like, you know, the morning brews of the world, the skims of the world, even like brands like Sweetgreen I've talked about before. They have incredible email marketing writing and and subject line writing in particular. So that's the couplet. The billboard is what I unique subject lines and preview text. So these are not, this isn't the default preview text that gets brought in right when, you know, the first 70 characters of the email, if you don't do anything, this is custom preview text and custom subject line text. But the two are are not related. And and really, when you want to go the route of the, you'll, 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 you'd want to adopt the billboard subject line type if your goal is to like communicate as much context about what's inside as possible, right? Hence, hence the billboard. So this is a unique subject line and a unique sub uh, preview text. They're not related to each other, but obviously they're both related to the content of the email. And then finally, this is what the, the final email type subject line type that I talk about is, is the unexpected. And this is just, again, Morning Brew, the hustles of the world. They do this a lot. It, it's something fun and random, and it's very loosely connected to the content inside. So this could be like a, a play on words. This could be just a random trending hashtag, something that indicates like what is in the email, but also like it makes you think twice or, or maybe three or four times. And at the very least, it's like, why is, you know, Morning Brew sending me an email with a subject line like, cats are cool, right? Or the latest that you know, the, the latest news on dogs or something totally, you know, seemingly completely random. And and you know, the, these unexpected subject line types get incredible open rates uh, as well. So that's what that's once you've picked the, the subject line type, right? Now, now, you know, you understand you're going to go with the couplet or the billboard or the unexpected. Now it's time to actually draft the subject line. So what I do is I look at the content of the email, Right, and I force myself to summarize what I've said in the email draft in two sentences. Now, these two sentences can be as long as I want them to be, but they have to be, you know, two complete sentences, not three, not four, right? So two complete sentences. And then from there, what I do is I actually go through those two sentences and I circle what I call like the power words. You know, these these could be verbs, but they oftentimes it's just like what are what are like the most important words in these two sentences that effectively communicate the core idea of the content in the email. And I'll just go through like, you know, with a with a pen. And actually, I I do actually spend a fair amount of time drafting this on paper, which is kind of weird, as opposed to just writing it in like a Google Doc. And I don't know if that's just like, because I don't like it's harder to circle things, you know, in in Google Docs. Right there. I if I'm doing these, yeah, like if I'm really trying to force myself to get creative, right? It Yeah, that paper, you know, Classic, you know, no yeah. pen and pen. I've work. got a couple of, um, like LinkedIn posts, um, like link through ones that I've been working on that I'll type up there. But for the emails or if I'm walking through like a demo for, for something with technology, you know, that I, for whatever reason, I yeah. write on paper. It's, 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 it does. It, it does. I, I totally agree. Especially when you're trying to push like your own creativity. So once I've circled yep. these power words, what I do is I, I take these power words and then I work them into about 40 characters, which typically comes to seven ish words. And everything that I've ever read about like email marketing and specifically subject lines, you, you're pretty safe in the 40 character or seven word length, regardless of like if your prospect or your, you know, your constituency is reading the email in Apple Mail, Outlook, Gmail, etc. 
most ESPs allow for about seven words to be shown in in the subject line. So from there, I t- go ahead and make sure people know what ESP. Uh, email service provider. So you know your your Gmails, your 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 Outlooks, etc. So um, from there, again, yeah, I, I take these two sentences, I f- you know figure out those power words, and then I try to make those power words form some sort of coherent thought within the context of you know, for about 40 characters or seven or seven ish words. Again, this does not need to be perfect. And but but it's at least it's, it's at least like sort of like a framework, right? Like a, a helpful guide if you're if you're trying to up your email game. And then last but certainly not least, I actually test the subject line. So once I've written it, what I'll do is there's so many different ways you can test email subject lines. Here are like, you know, a couple that I that I use often, I use these what I call the suspense versus the exclamatory which is basically like taking that subject line and saying, okay, how do I make this suspenseful? Like what, whether it's adding, you know, punctuation, like an ellipses or like being a little bit, you know, reordering the words such that it's not entirely clear what I'm trying to communicate, but it's intriguing versus like the open this now, this is the best thing since sliced bread. You're not going to want to miss this, right? Which is the the exclamatory. So I find, I find basically two ways to communicate the idea, one that's a little bit more suspenseful and the other that's a little bit more direct and, and, and urgent. And, you know, every a lot of email copywriters will tell you that like urgency tends to work really, really well. I would argue that we're seeing sort of like a decline in, in urgency performing particularly well. Urgency being like communications that suggest that if you don't do this thing now, you're going to miss out, right? Yes, I, I, so I am in between. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I like yeah. urgency, but I think the key is you can't have every message your campaign no, be no. urgent. Um, and if it is, you will see your engagement decline you know, faster um, because it's not truly urgent. If it's not urgent, don't declare that it's urgent because urgency yeah, yeah. works. When, in but moderation. If you make everything yeah, urgent, yeah, yeah. it won't work. You know, you know a great, a great example of this is I get like the, the Motley Fool emails and everything, every, every email they send is urgent. Like it's like, if you don't do this right now, you're missing out on, you know, the next Netflix and like read, read our analysis on, you know, Fang stocks today. And if you don't, if you don't download this, like you're never going to see an offer like this again. And it's like literally the next 24 hours later, I get the exact same email about like a different stock. It It, it is hilarious. Yes. But case in point, like, you know, it drives yeah. me insane, but it works it for some people. You know, if you, you've got members of your audience that like that over the top. Yeah. And so, you know, that for me, the hardest part, and as I continue to do this, as I've, as I've grown in experience, I won't say age, <laughs> as I've grown in experience is I'm so far away from that over the top that it's harder for me to, yeah. to write over the top because at the end of the day, over the top works at least for certain portions of your audience. And you need to be able to test those things. And so you, if you can't yeah. write them, then you find somebody on your team that can help you write yeah. over the top. Because you'll find an audience that you're missing out if you never Totally, totally. Yep. And that's, a, and that's a fair point. So the last, last thing here is like once, once I've established, you know, basically two versions of that email with, with, with suspense versus exclamatory. Again, there are so many different ways you could cut this. I, I then actually, what I'll do is, and this... I'm assuming that this is in the context of like a larger marketing campaign, not just like a one-off email, right? So what I'll do is I'll take the first email type and I'll send that for like three different marketing emails. So let, let's say I decide that I'm going to do the suspense in terms of the, the email type and I'm, I'm using like a couplet, right? The, the Where the subject line and preview text are related. I'll test that combination 
for three weeks or, or I should say, or like three marketing emails. And then I'll pick a different combination, maybe the exclamatory and like, you know, the unexpected for the next three emails. And then I'll look at how those collective six emails performed and then determine like, what do I want my, you know, final three emails in this series to, to look like based off of the data that I received before. My challenge with how like a lot of people do A-B testing is like they're A-B testing one email and, it, you know, again, unless the unless these subject lines and your audiences are, are dramatically different, in my experience, especially today, like people have become really like these tools. There's so many great tools out there to help you do this. But like we're talking about like marginal, like, it, for example, if you schedule an A-B test email via HubSpot, what they'll do, right, is they'll send out like, you know, 25% of the email or they'll send the email to 25% of your list. And then they'll determine, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, couple hours or so, which of those two emails is performing better. And then they'll send that version of the email to the remaining 75% of your list. And that's great. But in my experience, like oftentimes, like the the difference is, is so marginal. We're talking like 41% versus like 42%, right? Whereas I like to, again, assuming you can, you have the time to work within the context of a larger marketing campaign, I like to have, you know, three solid emails go out with one type and one, like one format, and then try a completely different type, a completely different format for the next three emails. And then I feel like I have enough data to really understand what's working and what's not and, and why. So that was a lot of information, Mickey, but, that, but that's pretty much how I approach subject lines. Anytime I'm, you know, strategically trying to get better at this for some reason. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to, to to think a little bit the way some of our clients do with implementation and, and to use the crawl, walk, run analogy. The, where I see the difference in people taking the time for the testing is if you if you have a real marketing person yeah. or team on your campaigns, they're more likely to test. When we look at an admissions and enrollment team that keeps it in-house, Sometimes that means it's enrollment marketing. Sometimes they just have admissions person responsible for some of their campaigns. It's not being tested often. And that, I think, is is important to think about and consider uh, because it is much more damaging to your overall effectiveness if you're not doing any form of testing. And sometimes it's not because they don't they wouldn't want to. A lot of times yeah, they don't know exactly. how. A lot of times you don't have the technology. The some of these yeah. uh, higher ed CRMs don't allow for testing. And then on top of at least at least easily without you manually doing. And then these these are folks that have a lot of other things on their plate. And they don't have they barely have enough time to get the email out. They definitely don't have enough time to get the email out a little earlier for a test to run so that then you can release yeah. to everyone else. But if we think crawl walk run, I think it's okay to start with a single yep. message. Practice. See what is working with the message, and then you can look at a string of messages. I think that's that's kind of your. I don't know if that I don't know that that's yeah. running, but that's at least walking at that point. Maybe between crawling and walking, is you're doing seven, eight, nine, ten tests for individual emails, you, and it becomes a habit. And once you're doing it all the time, then you can start thinking about well, let's, maybe let's let's look at how a series of emails perform together. If I put this combination together or this combination together, and see how that works for you, I think that's that's important. But you, you got to start yeah. testing if you want to move out of this one-on-one level communications. You know, once you get to two two hundred one, testing is yep. required because two hundred one and above require tweaks and enhancements on existing stuff to improve. And if you don't test, you don't know what it is to improve, and you're guessing. And that's, that's, an, that's a basic 
way to improve yeah. guessing. And so that's that that's important to start thinking about. The other thing I'll point out to you, Zach, is I, I use a, a book sometimes that has some exercise to it. And it's not about subject lines, but it's about the the the, 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 the byline is make your big ideas irresistible. Mm. So bring it in. But it, it reminds me of your exercise of how you shrink down your message. Um, the book is Find Your Red by Tamsin Webster. But it's basically as you're trying to pitch anyone on anything to get them to do something. You've got this idea. You If you write out what that pitch is, you know, how do you shrink that down um, to 160 characters? Yeah. Yeah, like to a tweet and and get that across. And then she in that book she has, and I've, we used it for our team, and I've used it with the client now. They've got an exercise. They've got a, a Mad Libs approach to it. So uh. there's several questions, and you have to put in the. It starts with you know when I or when we or you know when I or we work or speak with blank, and you got to check is it I or we, and, and you know they often want to know blank, you know, and you start filling it in, and just that exercise in and of itself. Starts to help you, you know, formulate that. Now, again, it takes work, and, and and if you're listening and trying to do what Zach does, know that you, it's okay if you don't jump right in. If it takes you a while um, to get, it. because again, that's the crawl, walk, run. You, if you've never done this and played around with different subject lines, it's likely not going to come to you very naturally. Like, oh, I can sit down in five minutes and come up yeah, with three subject yeah. lines. If you do that, you probably came up with three crappy yeah, subject yeah. lines. Um, nine out of ten people, unless you're just a, a natural content creator, uh, and I think that that's that's really important. You talked a little bit about length. We talked about connecting with the content. You walked through your process for it. There are, there are words out there. I think that we can kind of share some that are that are easy ones to think about. This is a, a list of these. These weren't like our words, but spam trigger words. So I don't know if the campaign monitor is they're they're actually a email marketing tool. They're they but they put out like a ton of really interesting content and, and research. Anyways, they did a pretty extensive research in partnership with Yesware, where they analyzed tens of thousands of emails, specifically email subject lines, and looked for like what are the trigger words that you know, significantly increase the chance that your email will end up in spam. And so they put together a pretty comprehensive list. And if you, you know, if you're looking for this, you could just Google yesware spam trigger words or something like that. But a few of them that, that stood out that I think are particularly relevant to to you all, to, to us in, in higher ed. So apply now is on that list of like spam trigger words. Acceptance is on that list of spam trigger words. Free anything, whether it's like free, free gift, free info, you know, free installation, free membership, free offer. Basically the word free F. <laughs> is the F yes. word. <laughs> and that includes F space, R space, E space, E. Yeah. I don't know who came up with that idea, but I guarantee that. I guarantee the email uh, copywriter that came up with that idea was literally just trying to screw with the ESPs and see and see oh, like, oh, if I add a space yeah. between it, maybe they won't catch me. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But there's some urgency words in there too, including urgent. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, things like that are are in there. Click here. You know, and, and let me I'll just say this. I, I there's not a person listening to this right now. That has ever, if you've ever written anything for any higher ed campaigns, you absolutely know we are all guilty of the yeah. apply now. Because that, you know, and and I, I even, before we did this, uh, Zach, this week, I, I pulled my team. You know, give me a couple of examples of the most overused types yeah. of subject lines. And everybody's first one was yeah, apply now. Because it's, it's easy, uh, it makes sense. Uh, it's, you know, it's clear about what you want them to do. There's no relevance of why you need to apply now. Why? You know, and I was just thinking when I saw urgent, like, hmm, I remember one 
just to give you an example of how I do a subject line. If something was really urgent and, and I'm trying to inflect a little bit of personality, you know, I've, I've used the subject line, it's not urgent, dot, 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 but it might be, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. I mean, because it's like kind that. of funny, like but, that. you know, but it also says, you know, there is a little bit of time. Or like, or like you're playing. Or like, or like it, it's um, not urgent, dot, dot, dot. But eventually it will be. <laughs> yes, yes. And I've gone, I've gone scary. I've scared some clients with some before. You know, when we were trying to do the countdown for a timeline, and I don't know if it was to, for financial aid applications or scholarship, something. You know, and it's you know you seven, you've got yeah. seven days might be a subject line. And then I've done one. It's like the day before. It says a subject line. To, I guess there's always next year. <laughs> um, now that scared. Well, you talk about scary people. What? What? Like, I, well, we can test it. You no. Know? Yeah. You know what? You know what? It, I can tell you. I can tell you. It didn't do as bad yeah. as they thought it was going to do. It did not scare people away completely. And I'm not suggesting people need to play around with that. But it was. It was a very specific use case of. I don't remember that would exactly be, all the details. But that that kind of subject line would be amazing. Like that. What you do with something like that is you send that email to people that are your like they haven't responded to any you know one of your communications exactly. past ten. That's emails. what we did. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. What I did. These are people that have responded yeah, to nothing. Yeah. You have nothing to lose. Um, you have nothing right? to lose. Exactly. You've got no indicator that they're going to enroll. No, no. But guess what? If they take an action on that, you've got a good indicator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of whether or not they're going to enroll. A significant better idea of what's happening in their world and whether or not to include them in anything else, especially if it's one-to-one outreach that you trigger based on engagement rates. Now you've got something, oh, I want to act on this person because they've done nothing. And when we sent them the email that says, um, there's always next year, Whew, they took an action. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That like those, you know, those little things. One more thing. If you've got let's and I'll use applications because that's one where you're trying to send multiple messages out to someone to do something, take an action. Please don't repeat the same subject line over and over and over. Yeah. Don't even repeat the same content. But people do. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. And, and I you know, it, it is as lazy as you can get. And I always, and I, and I say, I'll say this the, the exact same way all the time. You know, I use this and I will steal this from Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? <laughs> if they didn't click the first time, why in hell are they going to click the same second time if it's the same email? Yeah. Other than, oh, I got to do it. And they're not going to do it with any type of enthusiasm. They're not going to open it with any type of real interest other than I got to do it. And these people piss me off. Yeah. That's, that's the response people have in their mind when they're responding to something when you send it over and over and over and over. And if you want to be known as the nag, and be proud of it, go ahead. But I would challenge you to find some other creative way and to test it to get them to take an action other than the same old, same old. That 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 is one of my primary things I'll look at and challenge a client and my team if they've let something like that slide in or let a client push them back on it. Uh, I will find that one. Like that is, that's, that's, I don't want to say everybody's lazy, but you know, th- there's some level of laziness that went into doing that, and we yeah. we need to use every moment. And th- you're losing campaigns, and you're losing interest. You'll see that slight decline go down much faster if you send the same thing over and over and over. It's almost like people assume that oh, you know, if they if they had seen our email, of course they would have opened it, right? And like you're yes. you're basically making the assumption that they must not have seen it, and that's why yeah. you you can justify sending the same email with the same sort of client again. When in actuality, like, that's so cocky. Like, you know, like, you think so highly of yourself that, like, they didn't open the email because, you know, clearly it's from you. And therefore, you know, you can justify sending the exact same communication again. And this time, hopefully, they'll they'll see it. It's just, it's it's quite pompous. But anyhow. Well, I would say it can be quite pompous. It also can be very in, uninformed. 
Yeah. People who just don't know. Yeah. Their yeah. job that they got thrown into was you need to be sure that these emails are going out. I don't have time to write five emails. Yeah. Yeah. Apply, apply, apply. And and that has happened. I've seen it happen. And that's okay that that happened because you now at least you got messages going out. But now you know. Now, yes. Now you know. Or maybe you're not the one responsible. You're hearing this. You send this episode to that person who is responsible from two people who have done this for a long time. Yeah. And have tweaked and tested and worked and come up with ideas and things that actually are converting better than what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I, the last thing I would just say on this point, Mickey, is that, you know, even just even just listening to this and then next time you're going to send an email, thinking twice, even if all you can justify doing, maybe the frameworks that we've outlined are way too complicated. You've, you've got zero time for shit like that, right? Like even even just the awareness that, oh, let's let's think about this. And when you go, give yourself five minutes, like come, whatever, whatever that kind of default subject line that comes up, whether it's apply now, inquire, whatever it is, that's fine. But allow yourself five minutes of time to think, okay, how could I make this better? If you can't come up with anything after those five minutes, that's fine. Go with what you had, right? But at least give yourself like the courtesy of allowing a few minutes of creativity just to see what might happen if you create space for it. I agree. We got passionate. We got detailed. We gave you a process and with some little bitty tips and tricks along the way. Awesome. All right, man. It's been a pleasure as always. We'll chat next week. Talk to you all soon. Hey friends, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org, and I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org, and reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.